Ty. I'm so happy to see you. Thank you so much. You look amazing. So do you. God, fountain of youth you are. Well, you're glowing, girl. Oh, you glow, know. Glow, glow. You are. It's the lighting. <laughs> yeah. Say, yeah. Okay. I'm going to say. <laughs> well, you know, okay, so let's start there since, since that's where we are. So you know my beau and you know him from a gazillion years ago. So how do you know Snuffy Ty? I know Snuffy from At My Place in Santa Monica and Michael Ruff. Um, he was playing with Michael Ruff yes. for, for a long time. But anyway, it was either every Monday or every Tuesday. That was the place to be at my place. And wait, so what year is this? Is that's like, this is mid to late eighties. Okay. Yeah. And this was the hangout. And so on any given Monday, or whatever, Tuesday night, you would see Cheryl Crow. Wow. Backup singer. This is before anything. Backup singer for Michael. Carl Anderson from Jesus Christ Superstar would jump on stage. Stevie Nicks would jump on stage. The, the guys from Venice were always there. It was so much fun. And then your, your beau playing his guitar like a god. He was amazing. I'm sure he still is amazing. But that's where I met him. Yeah, that 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 is amazing. And Michael Ruff, Michael Ruff and Snuffy go back a long way. And right. um, and they played with Shaka together and Donna Summer yes. and all these people. Yep. And yep. Um, Michael is actually was actually the one that kind of got Snuffy to get sober, which was back. I think by the time you had met Snuffy, he was already sober. Really? And that was Michael. And it was Michael because Michael basically told him, I can't be friends with you anymore. I can't watch you do this to yourself. Interesting. That's Snuffy's story, not mine. I'm, I'm telling it, but that That's was 40, amazing. 40 years ago that happened. I didn't know. I didn't know. Yes. I didn't. And, and so we're going to talk about this because it relates to both of us as well, because I'm assuming that you're sober. Absolutely. 14 years, last November 4th. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's fantastic. I know. I know. Um, um, it's so good. And we're going to talk about like why you, we're going to talk about all of that. We'll, we'll kind of get okay. to that. And well, you know what? We're here. Let's talk. I, I hate like the, we're going to jump around. So anyway, you hadn't seen Snuffy in all the, all of these years, just had a, a brief hello right. and thought maybe you saw him at Elton John, but no, it wasn't, it wasn't him. Was some other silver haired, red glass. Had led, right. Yeah. Be speckled. Right. So, okay. So back in those days and you were dating Michael Roth, he was your boyfriend at the time, right? Oh, no, 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 I was dating. Michael set me up with. Remember Michael Franks? I know a Michael saw, Franks. Remember Michael Franks, Popsicle Toes and uh, what other songs? Great singer. Anyway, Michael set me up with his son, Sean Franks. OK. Yeah, because Sean was good friends with Michael Ruff. No, I never dated Michael Ruff. Ah, no. okay. That never uh, happened. Yeah. But attracted, yeah, he's cute. He was very. He's still so, very cute. He has a song out now that he sang with his daughter. That it's a video that I watch, and it's probably a song he did back then. Wishing well, it, it's his I, song. Do you know that song? I know that song. Absolutely. I love that song. Yeah. And he has he has a daughter that has amazing talent, and she they yes. do it together, and it's. Fantastic. I remember when his, um, I forget the daughter's mom's name, but I remember when she was pregnant and they, and they had, I forget everyone's name, but yeah, no, Michael was cute and just so talented and charming and all oh, the women love Michael Ruff. 
You know, I don't know how, I think it was an East Coast, West Coast thing, but I didn't know who he was until um, I met Snuffy. And um, and now I'm like, how did I not know him? He's so incredibly talented. Yeah, great writer, oh, great everything. Fantastic, great voice. So, okay, so, so getting sober. So yeah. I like, I wanna go back to your childhood. I wanna do it, but, but we're at the sobriety story. Yeah. When did you know you had a problem? Oh, in the 80s, 80, okay. 82, 83. And what did that I didn't look- know it was a problem, though. Okay. I just knew I really loved to drink. Like, I was on the road, <laughs> and everyone else was doing it. And I was, you know, 21, 22, so I could drink. Of course. And I loved it. Um, I didn't know it was a problem, though, but that's where it started. Mm-hmm. That's where the bad habit started, drinking after a show. Did you ever drink before you got on the ice? I did later, in late, late 80s when we were doing, that started at Harrah's in Lake Tahoe. We had- You remember the, you remember the gig? Absolutely. The time? Yeah. We were oh, doing two shows a night. Yep, two shows a night. We were actually there- at Harris, I think six weeks. It was a long run. Right. Um, full bar in the dressing room. In fact, our dressing room, sometimes before we would play there, we started, we co-starred with Dorothy Hamill. It was a great gig. So before we got there, sometimes it was Cosby and Sammy Davis, and we got Sammy Davis's dressing room, and sometimes they would play after us. But anyway, it was Sammy's dressing room. So full bar. Wow. Everything in it. And it you know, it just escalated. And I, and I was handled, I thought I was handling it. A little sip of Cavassier or a little shot of Jack Daniels. Oh, I used to love the Jack Daniels. I know. So stupid though. But okay. So now doing it before, before going out on the ice, did, did you ever pay the price for that? I mean, I can't imagine that you, okay. So what did that look like? I did a sloppy uh, fall. Did you ever fall? Fell. Started laughing, started giggling. No, <laughs> I did. It was awful. I mean, it was awful. And I think they tried to depict that that scene in that Thai movie on thin ice. Right. Um, Who played you in the movie Thai? Well, there were three of me. There you was, were one of them, weren't you? I I doubled for myself. <laughs> I doubled for the older. That's so wild. For the older <laughs> Thai, as Randy doubled for the older Randy. But there Hysterical. were three, set, you know, three different eras. But um, so Rachel Crawford p- played the soon-to-be alcoholic talk. Um, oh. Yeah, I just started laughing. I started giggling, and Randy was there. He didn't know what was happening. And I was going to say, how did Randy handle it? I not mean, as best that he could. I mean, did he know what was going on? I think so. Mm-hmm. I th- you but know. you guys didn't talk about it. No, no, mm-hmm. never. Wow. He knew, and I think mm-hmm. the rest of the cast knew. And it was just, that was, it was that downward spiral. And you just, you think you can handle it. And I, I, I couldn't, I was slowly falling through the cracks by that time, 80, like 87. And then 80. So you'd been drinking for a few years actively. Yeah. Yeah. Constantly. Active. And, and would you be like hung over like at practice the next day? And was all that? No, I was pretty, I was, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because we're at, I, being an athlete, I was able to hand, not handle it, but 
carry it, you know, in a different way. Um, but I was getting through it. I was getting through rehearsals. I was getting through shows. You know, the second show is kind of iffy some mm-hmm. nights. But are you but, drinking between shows? Sometimes. Uh-huh. Sometimes. Not all the time. And your coach, well, you're not, you're not competitively skating at this point. You're, right. you're a professional skater. No, but we had choreographers. We had the producers there. Everyone was there. And they're not saying anything to you? Yeah, they said when it, when it all came to a head where I, I was in the dressing room. This is in the film, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm in the dressing room. This is before the second show, which is like 11 at night. Right. Cocktail show, funny enough. Mm-hmm. Um, Huh. And then we Ironic. were talking, the, the, the conversation with Randy and myself, we shared a dressing room, mm-hmm. was about the, the tour after these six weeks, or maybe it was four weeks, maybe it was six weeks, um, the tour after. And for some reason, I was dead set on not doing it. Um, and that escalated into an argument. Um, I think I even swung at him. At Randy, yeah, it was intense. And I ended up underneath the sink in the bathroom in our dressing room at Harrah's. And I finished the second show. Wow. That, I, you know, they talked to me. I somehow got through it. But that's when everyone knew there's a problem. And what, so you knew you had a problem, didn't you? Okay, you had a little, you had a bottom at this point, didn't you? That what was, happened? Yeah, that was a bottom, but there was no talk about rehab or anything like that or getting into a program. I had to finish the tour. I finished the tour. Um, the one thing I asked for to help me get through that tour mm-hmm. was to have my brother come on the road with me. And thank God he did. So Blessing that he did. Constancio. Yes. But wasn't there like a, a particular event that happened that really oh that event? Yeah. Yeah. That came after the tour. Mm-hmm. Um, I was all done and I was ready to, and I never ever use this term again, retire. (gasps) Mm, Not good. All hell broke loose. You know, because the money stops rolling in and work, you know, work stops for everyone. Are we replaceable? Absolutely replaceable. But, you know, to to have Randy Randy and I on the bill, it's, you know, it's a good thing. But I was, I was so done. Vicky, I was done and I, I, what, were you miserable. done because you were drinking or were you done because I you was were done? done because I was tired. I was mm-hmm. tired. See, we worked. And I think about this when I post like different TV specials or work that mm-hmm. Randy and I have done all through the eighties from like 81 through when I crashed and burned, it was nonstop. The work was rolling in. We were turning down work. There was so much work. Wow. And so I was saying yes to everything because, you know, I had a partner who was ready to rock and he was saying yes. And, you know, you, it's, it's, we were making a great living. Right. But I could see, I could see the future that it wasn't going to stop. 
And so someone had to jump off the crazy train, Ty, to stop it. And this is before you were, this is before you were a mom, isn't it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. This was eighties. This was, this is eighties. Yeah. So I said that everyone freaked out manager, like everyone just Mm -hmm. was so disappointed and I was disappointed in myself. I felt bad. They felt bad. Everything was bad. Mm. Everyone was miserable. And that's when I tried to take my life. That's the, that's that. Yeah. So that was my bottom really. Did you really want to take, did you really want to die? I wanted to disappear. You wanted it to stop. I wanted it to stop. I wanted it to disappear. I was so exhausted and I'm not complaining. I never want to sound like I'm complaining, but it wasn't, it was going to keep going. Mm-hmm. And my performing was slipping and I just wasn't, I, I wasn't there. I wasn't there mentally, physically, emotionally. I was done. I was fried. Was this taking a physical, I mean, it had to take a physical toll on you. I can't imagine like how many hours a day did you guys skate as professionals it wasn't so much it wasn't i mean it was less than when you were competing obviously absolutely. Yeah, yeah yeah that was a that's a whole different world this was yeah. just, it was it was the traveling uh-huh. um, you know it was like a rock and roll tour you just and you just go 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 and you have one day off like a monday right travel day and the rest is it's showtime and you better be ready and in shape and, you know, happy. And I wasn't. I wasn't. I, I, I had. What was your personal off. life like then? Did you have one or were you just too busy? working? Um, there may have been a boyfriend, mm-hmm. maybe two. I don't mm-hmm. know. But nothing serious. Mm-hmm. There was no time for anything serious. Mm-hmm. It was strictly it was performing. And, you know. And did you have injuries from from all of this wear and tear on your body? None. No. Wow. Amazing. Just yeah. I guess my liver was taking, you know, getting <laughs> getting beaten up, but without knowing it. But yeah, it was when I said I used retire, which I never use anymore. It's just so what I- so what happened when you hit that bottom? You didn't stop drinking, I assume. Or did you try for a while? I stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, after I did that, a little, mm-hmm. a, a red light or a bright light went on. I'm sorry to be so graphic, but. No. Um, after I took the sleeping pills, mm-hmm. the ambulance came, knocked down the door of my apartment. How did they find, how did they know who knew? How I got on you? the phone. I got to my mom. Aunt scared. Mm -hmm. scared and said I did something really stupid so and they were there so quickly with my dad with the publicist um oh wow well yeah change the story around I get it yeah I get it now right Um, but anyway so I'm in the ambulance getting my stomach pumped Hmm. Mm -hmm. that's when the that's when the light went on saying you have a voice use it and so that was the beginning of my first entry into sobriety because I did 
start go to AA uh-huh. and learn learn the steps and learn the program and but wasn't didn't take it seriously and thought I could handle a glass of whatever. Mm, no. How how long did it take you to realize? Oh, I could have one. I can have a drink here and then. Were you Maybe, sober for? A- well, here's the thing. I took a little break, mm-hmm. which was so needed, and was doing in the program and just resting and just breathing again mm-hmm. and doing sort of not normal things, but just things around the house and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so 80, I think it was 1989. That happened in 88. So I, I took maybe seven months off. Maybe. And was Randy okay with you taking yeah. this time well, off? Randy uh-huh. was so smart. Um, he knew to, he had, a, he had a plan B. I didn't know this, but he had a plan B in the back of his mind. And that was to choreograph and to skate solo. Mm-hmm. He had backup. Very smart. Mm-hmm. Very smart. And did you have a plan B? <laughs> no, <laughs> I just wanted to rest. There was yeah. no plan. I just wanted to rest. Mm-hmm. But what was I saying? Uh, you were saying that you took the oh, time off. Took the time off, which maybe seven months. Mm-hmm. And then I called the manager, manager and said, I'm ready to go back. He had work so fast. Wow. Opening at um, Bally's in Atlantic City. Headlining. She's back after eight months. Um, but, you know, I just, it, I that was what I needed. And I was able to somehow, some in some way, call the shots. Yes, now I'm ready. Mm-hmm. So, and that's when the drinking started. Again, a little mm-hmm. bit at a time. Mm-hmm. Didn't take the program seriously. Wasn't ready. You got to be ready. You know, right? Absolutely. And no one can. No one can tell you to do it. You have. And you to can't do it for anyone else. You've got to do it no. for yourself. Nope. Mm-hmm. So you know, I got through '89 all through the '90s. I stopped once again when I was pregnant with Scout in '94, '95. Obviously, then mm-hmm. um, started up again, and you know, it just it escalated. It escalated. Mm-hmm. Escalated. Mm-hmm. But I was. I was functional, right? So I thought, and then it, it then it all came to a head How? when Brenner entered my life. Yeah, it, and it, it all came to a head when I'm sorry. Uh, when Brett David Brenner. Okay, so I, we're we're not going to go into the whole we'll segue story, into but, that now. but but we'll Comedy. segue into we'll segue into David now. So you know, okay. I I knew David, and and he yes. was very pivotal actually in my career yeah. in a bizarre yeah. sort of way. So, okay, so tell tell everybody how you met David. It's a, you you met cute. It's a meet cute story. It's a cute story. <laughs> and I'm sorry if I sound sound like I'm name dropping, but it's just the you are names the, in my journey. It's like. I can't like this is your life names yeah yeah this is you're not name dropping this these are the people that were in your Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz so anyway (laughs) I'm with a boyfriend in 2005 I know your story (laughs) um not and it wasn't happening Mm -hmm. it was I knew it was towards the end Mm -hmm. and we were just in it to be in it so anyway we're having dinner at the Palm in West Hollywood and getting through dinner, no laughter, no real interesting conversation. But I hear in the back of me, in a booth in back of me, I hear all this laughter and 
someone's having a great time and I'm, and I didn't know who it was, but it's like, I wanna be at that table laughing. I want the laughter. So we get up to leave, like we pass the table and it's Richard Lewis and David Brenner, just the two of them. And I stop just because I stop. <laughs> and Richard goes, I know who you are. And I said, well, I know who you are. And, and David is sitting there quiet, just staring but I'm having this conversation with Richard Lewis. David's being left out, which you don't leave Brenner out. <laughs> and what is your, your date, your boyfriend at the he time knew, doing? What's interesting is um, he knew Richard Lewis's wife through the music business. He was a musician, through mm -hmm. a musician. Um, he wrote, in fact, he wrote Piano in the Dark with Brenda Russell. Um, so. Google that, whatever. Okay. Um, so anyway, the conversation with Lewis and me, someone's being left out. And then finally, David chimes in and I look over and I, I was like, uh, that, I want that. And he hasn't said anything. No, but then he, <laughs> now that I was paying attention to him, he goes, I know you too. And you won worlds and da, 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 da. And you wore the blue costumes and he knew everything oh. about Ty and Randy. So the poor soon-to-be ex-boyfriend in the back. I don't know what he was doing <laughs> in back of me, but I was now focused on Brenner. And I get home, somehow get a hold of him through his fan website. And that's how it started. Broke up with the, with, with the then boyfriend. And that's when it started. You know, Ty, I, we didn't talk yeah. about this last time, but I think we have a lot in common besides the fact that we had substance issues and got sober but, but I think you like I think we are women who always had a man always had a boyfriend always on to the next sometimes still with one before we moved on to the next yes what, what um I know where it started for me and what that was about do you know what that was about for you for me mm -hmm. because you had a great relationship with your parents so yeah you know what? I never. I don't know. I don't know because it's not like I don't like being alone. I love being alone. I don't have to have someone with me, but it's it's more fun. And they were usually musicians who are mm -hmm. the most fun. I won't drop any names, but <laughs> I don't know what that is. That's a good one. I'll bring that that up in therapy. I don't but, know. But but that's not who you are anymore, is it? What? what? Are you a serial? Monogamous, yeah. like always having a boyfriend still? No, not, no, not after the breakup with you know who. With, yeah. No, no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I'm single for the rest of my life, I'm fine. If someone, if there, if there's someone out there for me, fine. Has there not been a significant other since then? No, no. I went, there was, and, some, and, damage. There was some damage done with him, with David. So when you and David got together, did you have, did you get the laughter that you were looking for? so much <laughs> i thought this was it i thought this is the one this is the one and everything was great the first few first couple years mm -hmm. was so amazing and we were just it was not that we were equals but it was the most equal i've ever felt mm -hmm. with someone and was he okay with your celebrity no mm -hmm. yeah I have a scenario. 
I, I have a couple, but I, I have one. Okay. And this was towards the end, towards the end, when I kind of okay. knew this could blow up any mm -hmm. minute, but was mm -hmm. hanging on. Um, he controlled everything. And Such I as? Everything. What I wore. Oh. Yeah. What I, the, the hair, how the hair, should, yeah, it was, it was, but I allowed it. So I have you to. You do not I, seem like the type that would roll along with that. I, wow. I did. And this was while I was still drinking. See, when I got uh, sober, well, things changed. Mm -hmm. um, that power. But early on, I, I gave my power away to him, thinking that this, you know, to make this work, you're going to have to step back and let him be how he is. And that is strong. That is controlling his way or no way, blah, blah, blah. David Brenner. Much was it something you could discuss with? Were you able to ever discuss it with him or that? No, he was no. not. That was not, that's not his style. Did he have a substance issue? He, he drank, he, he, mm -hmm. he drank every, pretty much every night, but just a little. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I never, I, you know, I've heard stories from the past. I never saw anything like what I've heard from the past, but drinking. Yeah. But he was, he was okay with it. So he just like he him. could control you, he could control that. Yeah, and he knew okay. his limits. Mm -hmm. So, um, you were going to tell me a story, one okay. example towards the end mm -hmm. before everything blew up, mm -hmm. and I was sober. Um, oh, you were sober. I was sober at the end. Yeah, I was sober, maybe a couple of years, and then it, it blew up. So oh. with that sobriety, I could tell. I could tell. Did you get sober because of him? Well, yeah, yes and no, mm -hmm. yes and no. But did he, did he give you a hard time about drinking? Did he? Yes, he did. But then he mm -hmm. gave me a hard time about being sober too. Oh. It was weird. It was very, it's very <laughs> odd. It was odd. But once I got sober, he lost the control. But here mm -hmm. was something, this was enough. This was a huge red flag and it happened a few times. We were in Vegas and we went to see, do you know who Chris Bodie is? Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, Chris Bodie and his band in Vegas. And we got to meet him beforehand. Mm -hmm. We're in our seats and before the first, on, but one of the encores, first encore. And this happened, like I said, a few times, David would get introduced and stand and get the applause and da da. It's great, great. Then Chris says, and in our audience, da 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 da. My applause was bigger. Oh, oh! Every time, oh. every time this would happen, and I, oh. had, I had no warning. I didn't know he was going to introduce me and oh. bring us up stage on stage. Brought you on stage on stage, and I knew I couldn't embrace this. It was a cool moment. I couldn't embrace it because I knew once we got off that stage. And you know, you know the name Lisa Fisher? I don't Vocalist. think so. Oh my God. Google Lisa Fisher. Okay. With the, same with the Rolling Stones. Um, oh my God, who else? I don't know who else. But anyway, yep. mm -hmm. one of my favorites. She was, she was singing with Chris Bodie. Um, never have I ever wanted to stay on stage on the, like that safe place 
and not go back to the car. This was that time where I wanted to stay with Lisa Fisher and Chris Bodie because I knew hell was going to break loose on the, on the walk to the car and in the car. And what would that look like? I mean, how is he blaming you for this? I don't know. So it, is it just know. to to take take your ego down? He would just. I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, jealousy. I don't know. Well, I know it, what drove it, so but how odd. how would it how would it manifest? Like, what would he say to you in those moments? Because it's not your fault. No, it was the silence. Silence oh. was worse than yeah. Ooh. There was no. There was nothing was said. What mm-hmm. I knew. I knew because it happened twice before it happened and I hate to put another name drop, but it's not a great name, but Bill Cosby did mm-hmm. the same thing. Mm. And Cosby, you know, Philly boys, they were close. It happened that time too. And I got the bigger hand again and I cringed and it just, it, it you know. Because you knew it was going to cost you. I knew it was going to cost me and I knew I couldn't embrace it. I knew I couldn't talk about it. So the first time that it happened, Ty, whenever the first time was. With Cosby. Was it shocking to you that. It caught me off guard. It caught me off guard. The silence in the car, car ride on the way home. Horrible. And then would it turn into a fight or would you get mad? No, he didn't fight. David doesn't Mm -hmm. fight. Mm -hmm. I do. I get loud. I, you know, and being sober, you know, I wasn't holding back. Mm-hmm. When I was drinking, I could, you know, you know, be as quiet as a little mouse. But now that I had my power back, I want to talk about it. What's the problem here? Let's fix this. Are you in program again? Are you going to meetings? Yeah. And did you have a bottom that second time? Was there like an inciting incident that got you to get sober? Um, the, the last time I got sober? Yeah. The when time it stuck. I counted. Yeah. Yeah. That it stuck. <laughs> Yes, we had a fight. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was about, but mm-hmm. it was bad. Mm-hmm. It was bad. And I was living in Ashland at the time. And that's where I started the program. That's why, you know what? It's, we're done here. It's not, it's not making you feel good. It's, it's destroying relationships. Mm-hmm. You feel horrible. You look like shit. Um, so, and are you skating through this? No, I was pretty much done. I was, you know, little jobs here and there with Randy would come mm-hmm. up, but pretty mm-hmm. not retired, but just there wasn't a lot of work. And that was by my choice. So, and I had, you know, Scout would come up to Ashland and visit, but Ashland was just a pl- the perfect place for me to get sober. Whether I knew it or not, that's where I got sober. Where is Ashland? Ashland, Oregon. Oregon. Beautiful. And so I was going to meetings like three times a week, sometimes two a day, because I knew as you know, I had, I had to learn it. And if, if I'm going to go for something, I'm going all in mm-hmm. and that's, that's just me. So that did it. And then I once you got that. sober, um, did it, did the breakup happen because you just couldn't do it? What, what, why did you, how did you guys the break breakup up? happened because he lost control bottom line that's exactly what happened Mm -hmm. he lost control I got my power back I used my voice I used my loud voice and that's just not his style Mm -hmm. so my days were numbered 
Mm-hmm. My days were numbered, but you mm-hmm. know, th- those, those concerts that we went to, those were like red flags. It's like, this might be done. And you guys were engaged. So it was like yeah. progressed. Yeah. We were engaged. I, mm-hmm. I saved the ring. The one thing I did, the rest I pawned off. We've got a lot of jewelry. I pawned it all off, but I saved the ring and it's lovely. But I have to say this, and I, you know, once again, I have to own it, Vicky. I, I allowed it all to happen. So I own, I own everything that I went through. But the one thing I did, positive thing I took away from Dave, David Brenner was he taught me how to hustle. How so? Work-wise. I watched him like a hawk on the phone in, you know, sometimes he would have meetings at the house. Mm-hmm. It's that that East Philly something and lessons learned from watching him. Wow. Lessons learned from watching him on stage. He was such a pro. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was there were some great things about the relationship. You know, as as time goes by, it's like I, you know, I kept a little diary and it's like, yeah, that was good. But the bad outweighed the good. Mm-hmm. And how was your son? How was Scout through this relationship? How was he impacted by it? Well, he, Scout and David's boys. He has Slade and Wyatt, who around mm-hmm. Scout's age. They, you know, they were a band of brothers. Um, they saw everything, but you mm-hmm. know, they were kids. Mm-hmm. They 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 really didn't care, but they mm-hmm. did see a lot, mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. It's you know, Scout was supportive through it all as he is through my sobriety. So, so tell us about that. So how did you meet his dad? When was that relationship? Who's that? Scout's dad? Yeah. Oh my God. Um, Ooh, how did we meet? We met his father, Carrie's father, Carrie Butler, Artie Butler is his dad, the composer arranger. I think we were in Tahoe. Mm -hmm. Randy and I were in Tahoe. Suzanne Summers was at some other hotel. Maybe this was Vegas. I can't remember. But anyway, Carrie was always around. Carrie was, you know, he was just around and he had friends in the company I was in and he was just around five years younger. Um, and I was attracted to him. Mm-hmm. And we started hanging out. And he moved in and we got engaged and we got married and we had scouts. And that was in 91. We got divorced in 96. Yeah. And weren't you skating when you realized you were pregnant? You were skating, weren't you? I was. How do you remember that? I just do. (laughs) We were doing, Randy and I were doing a show, a a TV show for Fox. It's special. And like my costume was tight. I went, that's weird. And, but I was skating fine. And then I got home and took the test and I was pregnant. Yeah. And so how long did you have to, did you take off? So at the beginning, you can still skate when you're early pregnancy, but how, how long did you take off when you were having a child? Mm -hmm. Not very long. Hmm. Um, I know I had scout January 25th of 95. I was back on the road eight months later. Wow. Hera so obviously you had, you had what? help. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wonderful help. Lukey, our nanny. Um, we were at Harrah's. 
what's great about Harris is we're there for a while. Mm -hmm. And this was Harris Atlantic City when um, on a tour. So we were in one place, which was perfect. But during that time, I knew the marriage to Scout's dad was over. And it, you know, it, it fizzled out. But Scout took his first steps in my dressing room at Harris in Atlantic City. Oh, so I, yeah. And I, I went back, you know, I had I had to work. I had to work. Did I want to leave, you know, leave mm -hmm. my baby? Mm -hmm. No, but you do what you have to do. Mm -hmm. Yes, you because do. Because the rent is due. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the last time we spoke, which is about five years ago, hmm. Scout had told you that he wanted to go into the family business. And as I recall, you thought he meant Artie Butler's family I business of music. And instead, what is it that Scout decided to do? Scout Ty? is a cop. Yes, Scout, Scout is following in the footsteps of my father, his grandfather, Detective Sergeant Babylonia. <laughs> he's not here. He's not LAPD. Um, but yeah, and he is thriving. He was just about to take the test when I saw you last. Was he that wasn't it? a cop yeah. yet. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he's, he's in there and he's loving it. And I said, Scout, if you're gonna do this, please do it the right way because a lot of cops are doing it the wrong way. And he understands. I said, be a good cop, be like your grandfather, be fair. So yeah, I'm the, I'm the and I always hashtag this, I'm cop's daughter and now a cop's mother. And so how is it being a cop's mother? I mean, I mean a cop's mother, is it, do you worry? Is it anxiety? But yeah. I don't yeah. sleep. I don't sleep mm -hmm. well. Um, <laughs> he'll send me, he'll text me, you know, photos of, of like a drug bust. And there's a lot of meth and a lot of this and a lot of that. And I said, Scout, I don't know. I don't want to know what happened before this picture or <laughs> after this picture, but I respect you and congratulations on all the meth. So yeah, he's good. He's really good. That's wonderful. So proud of him. That's wonderful. Yeah. Does he have a significant other? Yes, he's engaged to me. Oh. Yes, oh. in fact, they're here. They're here for Christmas. So it's nice. Wonderful. Oh, yep. that's so yes. lovely. Yeah. Okay, so let's go back to to young Thai Babylonia. So oh. you're you're a girl with a dream, but as I recall, when you were a little little girl, you had more mm -hmm. than one thing you wanted to be, and you were given a choice. <laughs> Very young. So how right. did you choose? How did you choose skating, Thai? Well, the choice was, I, I, was a, I was a pretty good little painter, little artist. Mm -hmm. I had potential and I would, you know, win little awards at Barnes, is it Barnsdale, Barnsdall Park. Anyway, they would have something and I would win these awards because I was pretty good. So I, with that, I was accepted into this prestigious art school on Wilshire Boulevard. It's now torn down because everything's new on Wilshire Boulevard. It's right next to the La Brea Tar Pits. Mm -hmm. So that was a go. I was set on that, but then I saw someone on TV skating like a beautiful fairy princess. And I said, that's, I want to try that. Had you skated yet? I had skated once earlier with my godfather and it didn't go well. <laughs> um, and I, it, it, it didn't, it didn't take, but once seeing her on TV, I knew, okay, you're going to fall. It's going to be cold. It's going to, there's going to be kids yelling, whatever. I knew what it entailed uh -huh. to be a figure skater. So now I have this art school on the, on the books and now she wants to be a skater and take lessons. 
So we're in, we're on, we're on Wilshire Boulevard in front of the school. Mm -hmm. Classes in session, lots of, you know, paints and kids having a great time. And I'm looking, thinking, you know, I want to be there, but to myself, but I also love this. So my mom said, you have to make a choice. It's, we can't afford this school, art school and skating lessons. So the choice was made. I picked the expensive sport, the indoors, you know, the sport that would change my family's lives, would turn it upside down. And that was at seven years old. Were you, wow. And yeah. your parents were behind it Absolutely. right from the start? Absolutely. And my brother too, who really took a back seat. Right. To my, you know. Because everything became about skating. Everything was, yes. Yeah. And he was actually the more talented athlete. It wasn't, I wasn't, he was good at everything, which can be a curse, but he was great at every sport. Wow. I, I picked one thing and I locked into it and it's like, this is what I want. And I spent probably more time at the ice rink. I did, in fact, than I did our home. I was obsessed as a little girl, obsessed. Wow. And was it, was it to be good? Was it to be famous? Was it to be, what, what, what did you want? Do you think? It wasn't to be famous, mm -hmm. just to keep improving. And I loved it. You wanted to be good. You I want, yeah. Good. And I loved, you know, it's applause is addicting. It still is for me. It's, you know, that can be a drug. But I loved, I loved seeing people smiling. I loved, you know, people making people happy and then clapping for me. So it was that interaction. I guess that I love, but I love, I just wanted to keep improving. And I was a perfectionist as a little kid, as I am still now, mm -hmm. I wanted to be perfect. That's not always good. Well, it, it has its drawbacks for sure, yeah. but, but it, it's an asset and a, I don't want to say defect. It's an asset and a challenge. Um, right. So at what point did you start at what point did you go from being decent to good to great? How, how, old, how old were you when this transition was happening? Well, I started when I was six. I mm -hmm. met Randy. Now Randy enters the picture. Okay, so how do you guys meet? Okay, I'm eight. He's 10. Mm -hmm. He was in Culver City. And Mabel Fairbanks, who I hope we're able to talk about. We're going to talk about Mabel right Yay. after this, yes. Because um, if it weren't for her, I wouldn't even be here mm -hmm. having this conversation with you, really. So she needed the, the skating, the skating club needed a little pair team for a club show. They called them club shows. Mm -hmm. um, and for some reason she thought I really, I didn't know Randy that well, you know, I'm eight years old. He's 10 years old. He has cooties. He's gross. He's you know, <laughs> like, Oh my God, I cannot hold his hand. But she, <laughs> she forced us to hold hands and that, How did you get to get to Mabel? You had to be pretty damn good already. I was okay. I was, uh, no, I was a beginner, but she, I think she saw something. Mm. Maybe she saw the, I was pretty driven mm -hmm. as a little kid. Mm -hmm. Maybe she saw that. I'm not sure. And I never asked her later in life, mm -hmm. but she put us together. And I, Vicki, I thank her every night for forcing me. She forced me. She didn't ask to hold his hand. She said, you're going to hold his hand and you're going to skate around the rink together and you're going to be a pair team. And now what, what do you think 
created, why do you think she saw that for you as opposed to grooming you as a solo skater and hit, and Randy as a skater? We did both. We did both. You did both back then. We competed in both up until late in the 70s. We competed in, in single skating and pair skating, which is really difficult, but we did it. So yeah. it wasn't Mabel that had you guys focus, hone in on focus. No, we eventually left Mabel mm-hmm. in 19, the fall of 71, mm-hmm. left her. And that's a devastating part of her story, which, you know, will be in the book because all of her, well, most of her students left and went to, and that, which is a natural progression. You go to right. the coach, you right. go to the Olympic coach or the, you know, the national right known coach and that was Mr. Nick. So that was in the fall of 71, we went to him. The rink was in Santa Monica. And that's when the train left the station, maybe a year and a half later, two years later, it just, it just it, the pair team came together and we started winning. Now, and- did he know it? Did you, who knew it first? Did he know it first? Did you know it first? Mr. Or did you know- he knew, Mr. Nick's knew. Mabel mm-hmm. knew, and then Mr. Nix knew. It was mm-hmm. just, it was one of those great matchups. One of the, you know, did really happen by accident, but it worked. And it still works, you know, over 50 years later. It's, it's cra- so, it's and, and when did he stop having cooties? And when did you lean into the friendship and, and all of that, do you think? Oh, you know, as we got older, you know, young teens, um, and when we started doing well in competitions and traveling together and, the, you know, we became a, one big family. And, and was it a natural family friendship between the two of you? Did it, did yes, it escalate? It was very natural, natural. Mm-hmm. very protective of each other, best mm-hmm. friends, soulmates. You know, I can't, it's funny. I can't explain what goes on between the two of us. Laughter is a huge part of the glue that keeps us together. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And I cherish more than anything, I cherish, you know, meeting the Queen of England, meeting presidents, winning this and winning that and television, whatever. It's the friendship that I cherish and I'm fiercely protective of it. How much time do you and Randy get to see each other spend together now? Would you say? I was just with him a couple of days ago. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. What we and you do? still do things. You still do things. But mm-hmm. yes, if the work, if the, if the work is something interesting and of course, you know, you love to get paid for your work and for us to put our skates on, it's not, we're, I'm 63, he's 65. You know, we don't do that much, but people still, I think, like seeing us together. Yes. So that's what they say on Instagram. Um, so do you, uh, somebody asked earlier, do you skate for fun now? Yeah, I do. Say I was just in Long Island skating with some amazing kids. Um, I saw the pictures. Yes. Who had never seen ice, didn't know what skating was. Wow. It's so easy. It's simple, but so powerful. That's when I put my skates on. I have something coming up next week at LA Live with homeless youth. That's fun. And that's paying it forward. And that's what completes my life is giving back. It doesn't feel complete unless I am. Nothing matters unless I'm giving back 
to my community. Do you coach? I coached a little bit. I had two students. Now tell us who your students. I know who they are. Tell they us who you, tell us who your students are. Were. Oh my God, this is, oh, <laughs> Greg Cope knows the the Jack Nicholson story because that was bizarre. Oh come on, tell the story. Oh my God, that was. We were at the forum. Randy and I were performing, celebrating our either twenty fifth or thirtieth anniversary. I can't remember, but anyway, um, Jack Nicholson and. I think it was Lou Adler, you know, his posse. They're in the audience there, you know, it was a forum. Um, and so we all, everyone comes up to the forum club. Um, Jack Nicholson's there with his people and his daughter was with him. And Lorraine was a tiny, she might've been four, <laughs> maybe. And she kept, uh, and I didn't know who she was. She kept following me like and holding on to my to my skirt and just she would not leave me alone and I finally figured out who you know it's like oh that's your dad over there on the corner with the glasses on um and I asked her I said did you did you love the skating did you enjoy it and she said yes I said would you love to try it she said she lit up she just lit up and so we went over to her father and she was raving about skating and she wants to take lessons from me. And that's when I got hired by Jack Nicholson <laughs> to teach Lorraine how to skate. And did she learn? What did she, she learned? And we, she took lessons for about two years and we had a great time. And around the same time, and I knew I knew I could do it because I knew they weren't going to be competitors. Like right. she loved it. It's like, she's not, she doesn't want to compete. She wants to have fun. That was great with me. Um, you didn't. You didn't want to teach competitive skating. No, I don't have it. I don't have that. I don't know if it's patience. I can't remember a lot of the stuff that I learned as a mm. child. Mm -hmm. And it's just, a, you know, not everyone. And people ask me that all the time. Why don't you coach? It's like I don't have. I don't. It's not your thing. Yeah, not my thing. Randy. Randy's mm -hmm. a great coach. Really good coach. Mm -hmm. But um, so my second student, my other student. <laughs> famous with a famous dad and mother is um, Katya Washington, um, <laughs> who I met. How did I meet Katya and her and Denzel and Pauletta, his wife? I think at the opening he had a restaurant here in LA that he co-owned. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the name. I'll think of it after this is done. Right, anyway, of course. That's where we all met. Somehow the skating came up. And somehow Katya, you know, they asked if Katya wanted to try it. Once again, it's like, you're hired. So I was hired by Denzel and Pauletta Washington to teach Katya. And Katya, she, I thought she Katya, little also? She was little also. Yeah, and now she's in college. Hmm. You know, John David, her, the older brother is on Broadway. He's amazing. Isn't he amazing? Amazing. And there's there's um, Malcolm and Olivia, the twins who are kind of, they're in the middle of, hmm. of Katya. So anyway, that's, and I taught Katya up until maybe a week, a week, a month, a little over a month before I gave birth to Scout. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's my teaching. That's, that's the extent. Yeah. So you and Randy, let's talk about that a little bit. Somebody's saying, when did you date? You didn't date. You and Randy didn't date. No. And we always get that. No, never. Yeah. But no. It, I could see, you know, the confusion. 
Yes. But yeah, no, Randy is gay. He has an yes. amazing husband. He's very happy. They're making was it. He, was he aware of that when you were little kids? That he was gay mm -hmm. as a little kid? As, I knew something was different. I didn't know what gay was. I didn't. Did I, he know? I don't, as a 10 year old, I don't think so. Right. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I don't know. But we always so, get that. Are you guys married? We always get that. So your lives are so intertwined. So let's talk about the, 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 a couple of the highs and then a, a, a devastating occurrence. So, so you end up being the second American world champions. And to this day, you hold that distinction, don't you? Well, no, it changed just this past <gasps> year. Another, yeah, another American team. There's really good, Dickie. Wow. Yeah, another American team, Alexa and, Bra and Brandon, excuse me, Alexa Kinnearum and Brandon Frazier. They, they won it last year with an amazing performance. So that, you know. But that's still three in all of history is right. pretty it's amazing, amazing. For American care. Yeah. Yeah. So when you guys won that, when you won the world championship and you mm -hmm. won many U.S. championships, what What's the first time you guys are taking the gold? The, the uh, U.S. championships? You, you, the first time is a U.S. championship yes. that you win the gold. Yeah. And, and you're now, young, right? You're. We were, I, we were. I was 16 in 1976. So from 76 up until 1980 was our last one. So five times we won it. And yeah. so now you're also Olympians in 76, yes? Yes. And so what? the hell is that like that you are going to the olympics and you are representing your country amazing exciting surreal um being on the team with dorothy hamill uh. and watching her win the olympics that year mm -hmm. was so awesome but it's just i mean that is pretty much every skater's goal as a competitor is to of course is to not so much, you know, win the Olympics, but just make the team. He's yeah. huge. And you guys, you guys, met, you guys came in fifth. fifth. You know fifth. your time and ready history. I'm so I know impressed. my time. You're, are you reading it? No. No. Uh-uh. No, uh okay. I've, I, I've been taking a few notes while we've okay. been talking because I'm going to write the liner notes afterwards, but no, I'm not right. reading a damn thing. Uh -uh. Okay. No, Good I'm memory. not reading. So, okay. So, so. What is it like when you guys win that? It hadn't been won in, in a number of years. What is it like when you win that world championship? I mean, I can't even imagine. Did you know when you were skating? Did you know when you finished? That? No. no, you don't know. We just knew. And, and we have a different mindset. Everyone has a different mindset. But our mindset was... Um, we didn't have that Tanya Harding kind of got to win it at all cost. Right. That's not us. Our thing was just go out and skate your best, be the best that you can be. And we were that night. We didn't go out to win. We just wanted to stay vertical as Scott Hamilton always says, to stay <laughs> vertical and do your thing. And for us, it, it clicked. It clicked. And the competition was tight. I mean, we had, 
East Germans to the left of us and a couple of Russian teams to the right of it, it was it was tight. And if, if I had missed or Randy had missed one move, it was over. They would have given it to. And you got you got a perfect score in there, too. We did. We did. It was just one of those out of body experiences, one of those magical nights. Yes, we trained our asses off beforehand to get to that point. And it just is like the angels were with us. And I can't even explain, you know, coming off the ice and then getting your marks and then getting a hug from Mr. Nix, our coach, which was rare. Uh huh. Um, it was fantastic. So did endorsement deals like come in like immediately after that? In 79, um, I'm sure offers came in, but you have to remember we were amateur skaters. Mm. No money involved. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, now there's no such thing as an amateur. Right. Everyone's a pro. Right. We, we were happy to get a piece of jewelry. You know, <laughs> if, we, if we did get any money, it went through a fund. So everything had to wait until our last year, 1980. Okay, so let's talk about 1980. So that's uh, so Olympics. Mm-hmm. You're 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 going to the Olympics again, right. and yeah. now pressure. you're you're the world's darlings, and um, more pressure, yeah, and more pressure, way pressure more pressure going into the, you know once you win a world championship, um, and the Olympics are the next big competition. It it's so much press, and the fact that the Olympics were in Lake Placid in America, in the U.S even more press right that's huge so yeah there were there was so much press there was the, our coach mr nicks had to kind of pick and choose because you can't say you know you can't say no to abc you can't say no to da 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 some stuff you have to take and you want to take right um so yeah a lot of pressure going into it once again our goal was not to win that was everyone else's goal for us to win that's mm-hmm. you don't think that way that's that's way too much pressure right on yourself just go out and, and do what you've been working on and do it the best that you can right and odds are you'll come out pretty good if you mm-hmm. skate well but it didn't happen that way for us so what what happened with randy well in training he pulled his i think it's the abductor like in the groin area muscle mm-hmm. Um, so it was and how much before you go how much this be- was a few weeks before I think and does he tell you do you know um, no nope. he's just skating through it he's skating through it he's tough he thought mm-hmm. and it was skatable mm-hmm. it was skatable and he was skating fine but I guess in a little bit of pain so all is well we get to Lake Placid we have a after the opening ceremonies um, we have a we have a practice and he re-injures it again, the same muscle. And I think on the same on on a jump, on a it's called a double flip, was our required jump that year. Um, once again, kept it quiet. He and the coach, and maybe the doctor knew. I I was in the I didn't know. I was in the dark. Wow. And I understand now. I understand why. But when you're there, you're like. Why does everyone else know? And I don't, I don't know anything, but I understand why they did it. Enough pressure anyway, mm-hmm. another added pressure. So he's in therapy and he's, you know, getting massages and getting whatever he has just to get through the next, to the next step. And so that night of the short program, 
we, um, everything seems fine to me. We get mm -hmm. out and have like a six minute warm up or a five minute warm up. And he's falling on a jump that, first of all, Randy never falls. If anyone's going to screw up, it's me. <laughs> you know, I trip around or I miss, or it's, it's usually me. But, and that night he was falling on a certain jump. I could tell in some of the lifts, he was unsteady. He wasn't, but the, the, the one thing that really chipped it off for me was how he was holding my hand, the grip. Mine was stronger than his that night. Mm. And that's when I, I went, no, 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 no. I'm not the leader here. You're the leader. I was the leader that night. And that's when I knew, you know, to myself, something, something's not right. And then to have him fall in the, in the practice, in the warm-up, was really foreign to me. Just never mm -hmm. happened. Mm -hmm. So, and that's when the, you know, our coach said to the referee, da, da, da. oh no, no, sorry. Went backstage, Randy got a shot of xylocaine to deaden the pain of the tear. Was it right. Tear? And it worked. It did deaden the pain in the spot that was irritated. Mm -hmm. Then the dose went down his leg and numbed the rest of his leg. It's yeah, xylocaine the rest of his leg. So we go out again, they give us like another minute to do something. He tries to jump again, the required jump, and he his leg just buckles underneath him. And it, it's, if you go on YouTube, there may be clips of that. And it's just, it's like, that is so not Randy. Mm -hmm. He had no control. Mm. So that's when our coach said, he just went like, he goes, we're done. That's it. Our life, you know, our life. So now you haven't been told anything yet. You're just get, getting really. this. You're just kind yeah. of getting I'm this. I'm just kind of seeing it's like, oh, this is what's happening. I see my mom in the audience and I just, I kind of went I don't to myself. I don't know what's happening here. And um, but another thing then I can another name drop um, the moon, the Stevie Nicks. And I don't know if it's because she saw the name of our coach Nicks or she I think she was also a skating fan. She was a big dancing ballet dancer fan. Um, but she came to the rink in the summer of 1979 in Santa Monica, where we were training and dropped, oh, my hair's in it, dropped this off, the gold moon, for good luck. Yeah. So I kept it on up until the games, all through the, you know, every day, it just stayed around my neck. The night that we were to do the short program in Lake Placid, Mr. Nix, our coach said, you know, you know, this might get stuck in your, the rink. <gasps> It's his fault. No, it's not. It's not. He was <laughs> you took it off. He, I took it off. I handed it to him. You know, everything happened that night. He handed it back, and it has been around my neck ever since. Holy shit. Have you talked yet. to Stevie about it ever since? Well, she wrote, yeah, and she wrote, she wrote a beautiful foreword about this in the Ty and Randy Coffee Table book. In fact, I put it it's pinned on my Twitter page because it's so powerful. Wow. I'm going to go read it. A thank you to her. It's, it's, um, and you know, now I see like Christina Applegate has one. Um, Maya Rudolph has one. She gives them to her special friends. Wow. Yeah. So that was wow. our, that was Lake Placid. I mean, it was, 
so Ty, what was that like for you? I mean, I, I know I know you to be gracious and accepting in that moment when what are you feeling? In Lake Placid? Mm -hmm. That moment? Um, confused. Mm. Are you devastated? No, um, no, it was more confusion. It's the press wanted me to be devastated. That makes a better story, doesn't it? Of course. They kept trying to spin it. It's like, no, that's my best friend and he's hurt, you fools. I feel bad for him, but they, you know, they go for the of course yeah so it was I, I felt bad for him we didn't talk about it and we still haven't to this day one-on-one -on -one. Mm -mmm. mm -mm. it comes up in okay. interviews and we talk about it but to like I'm talking to, each... to you mm -mm. well and well could you was rant I assume he was devastated yeah felt bad mm -hmm. you feel like you've let your responsible right yeah and you let yeah. your parents down and, you know, everything was, was, was banking on that, on that night because it was so built up for us to win mm. that kind of pressure. And they still do it. I, you know, with athletes, it's like, oh my God, what, but what if they get a silver? Is that not good? Or a bronze or just being there? Is that not good enough? But it's all about the gold medal. Absolutely. So, and then it being in our home country, just more pressure. So it was, you know, I can't even imagine what Randy was going through. Like I said, we haven't talked about. I don't really know. Only that's he amazing. Uh, Tony's asking, um, what was the most difficult um, part of your program to land? What was there? Was there one specific thing that you and Randy were most challenged by when you were when you were skating? Um, probably the tri throw triple sow cow, where he throws me, and I do you know revolutions in the air, three and a half, I guess and land, you know, where he throws me and I kind of have to land by myself. Those were hard. Um, yeah, some of the harder tricks. Mm -hmm. And this is oh. this is before you're not drinking then. No, oh, yeah. no, 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 you're not drinking. No, did they not. drug test? Uh, Tony's asking, yes, did they drug absolutely. test you? And did you know um, Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan? Did, were you friends with them? Somebody's asking. I know Nancy very well. Mm -hmm. Adore her. I don't know. I don't know the blonde. No, I don't know Tanya. Mm -hmm. My cup of tea. Sorry. Yeah. I'm seeing well, that... Kerrigan. Okay. So let. So from from. So then, how long did it take until you and Randy were skating again? Because it was the oh. ice capades and all the. Right. Right. So we, we, um, there were world, the world championships were after that, which we skipped. Um, and then Randy got better. He did his therapy. He slowly, um, improved mm -hmm. and April 1st of 1980, we signed a three-year contract with the number one touring show in the country. And that was Ice Capades. We have a job. Yay. A good job. Yeah. Yeah. But that, you know. Stuff happened after that. It, you know, okay, well. it's incredible. It's just, I look back and it's like, that's a good book. That's a good, gonna make for a good book one day, not now, one day. Well, you you'll then be a woman who writes, and we can talk about that. But, but the the one book is let's go now. Can we jump to me? Yes. Now let's Yay. go now. Yeah. Backwards. Okay. Because it's all because of her. Um, 
incredible lady. How'd story. you meet her? How did she find, did you yeah. find her? Did she find you? Well, she, we kind of, we, we found her at the rink in Culver City. She was there and someone suggested as a solo skater mm -hmm. to take from her. And Mabel's history is she is the, the first black skater. Mm -hmm. And this was in the 40s, you know, 30s, 40s and 50s mm -hmm. and 60s when she started coaching. Mm -hmm. um, she is the woman who broke down barriers. She is the trailblazer. She is the one who paved the way for black and brown and beige as skaters of color, mm -hmm. of all color. Mm -hmm. And her story is so interesting. It's rich. It's devastating. It's, you know, it's the sad part is when we were with her, um, her students went, I think I said earlier, went to the other, the, the better coach, the more established coach. For Olympic training. Yes. Mm -hmm. We were her kids and we left. We eventually came back, but that's a part of her story. But it's just, it's. You did come back? We did, you know, as adults uh -huh. to help her. Uh-huh. You know, when she, as she got older, we were there for her. Nice. Great. So just this story, um, the first of its kind, uh, the book will be, we have a literary agent um, and a writer, an amazing writer. And it will be called Black Ice, the Mabel Fairbanks story. And I don't want to give it. Yeah. And so every Monday, I call it Mabel Monday, I post on in Instagram a photo and then a little, sometimes gets long, story about what's happening in the photo and her life and just praising her and honoring her because she was the one who started it all. And wow. like I said, thank God she forced Randy and I to hold hands. Oh gosh. I thank her every night. I thank her, you know, with my thinking of, you know, staying sober, Mabel's right in there. Yeah. I love it. So Ty, so somehow you became a talk show co-host and I, um, I think I know how that happened. Weren't you like a guest on the show and then you just. I was a guest on the show and I'd never heard of the show, but he, um, Ken Boxer, approached, mm -hmm. got, I think through Facebook, got me, wrote me. And I did the show and it was, it was a lot of fun. It was in Santa Barbara, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there and I, I kept thinking, it's like, I can add something to myself. I can add something to this and make it more fun. And so I pitched myself. Here's David Brenner. You know, this is stuff I learned from Brenner. Wow. I love that. Yep. I pitched myself. I said, I can, I can, I think I can add something to this. What do you think as me as a co-host? And he hired me and we did it maybe three years, I think. I knew you were ready. I remember when that happened for you. Really? Mm -hmm. It was so much fun. And once again, a, a learning experience, meeting amazing people, um, Lou Gossett. Uh, oh my gosh, who else? Dee Wallace. I mean, the list goes on. Mm -hmm. but just, you know, I learned so much from that experience. Yeah. And, and so what now, Ty, what, what, what does life look like now? And what, what, are you still bedazzling? Bedazzling? Yes. Oh my, yeah. <laughs> I do the boxes still. Um, not as much now because everything is Mabel Fairbanks. I, you know, it's 24 seven. Oh, wow. Fairbanks. We're, we're to the point now with the book, we're, probably pitched to publishers after the first of the year. So I think once the book happens, stuff will stem off from the book. A TV biopic would be our next journey. 
an animated feature about Mabel, which could be so amazing. Fantastic. A children's book, you know, whatever. But that's where my life is, is honoring Mabel and getting her story out there and the legacy, keeping her legacy alive because it's so important. Figure skating is still predominantly white and they're just, that needs to change. Well, you were the first champion of color, yes? Um, no. Mm -mm. No? no. Were you the first? Were you the first? You were the first something of first world champion? No? No, um, maybe. I don't know. Go look it up. But no, the first black champion, his name is Atoy Wilson. And this that's a man. Person. That's a man. 1966. But woman. A woman. Um, well, there's Debbie Thomas. Um, okay. But Atoy Wilson, who is my producing partner. Oh. And he owns the, he is the executor to Mabel Fairbanks Estate. So mm. I can't do anything without Atoy. So we're like this, but he is a trailblazer in his own right. And to be working with him on this project is just, is heaven. I couldn't ask for a better working partner. So. Ty, you're so, uh, you, you live in such grace. And even when you were drinking, you had that quality. Um, and it's just a beautiful thing. Very inspiring. I mean, your, your fortitude and your, your, and your perseverance, you know, beyond compare but well, this beautiful lucky. side of yourself this this grace is um oh, really you. beautiful to behold thank you well you know you gotta thank my parents for that and my brother you know my whole family I was very lucky to have a, a you know great parents who supported this crazy sport and this crazy life and stuck with me through the you know my it, it is a roller coaster but that's mm. my life um, but I always, I always come through. I always come through because I believe in myself and, you know, I just, I know I have a lot to offer and I'm not done. I have a few tricks left up my sleeve. I have no doubt. And, uh, this, it sounds like this is something you gave to scout that it sounds like he has self-confidence to, to go into the line of work he's in. He would have he to. Does. He does. And I, we all support him and we're all so proud of scout. That's my heart. Oh, well, I'm you know, out of my sobriety, just proud and, and filled with gratitude. So much gratitude. The gratitude is everything. Oh, that yeah. brings all the yeah, rewards. Um, and I want to give a shout out to Greg Cope White, who was the one who introduced me to you. And That's how, right. Uh, Gregory, how oh, my God. I adore him. I me adore too. him. He's we so actually had a COVID lunch. We had lunch a, a couple of months ago. And let's the three of us go have lunch. I would it love would be that. So fun. I would love it. I would okay. love it. Vicky, thank Ty, you thank you so, so much. much. I adore you. And it was so great to catch up with you and in real life soon. Absolutely. It was okay. an honor to be on your show, Vicki. You're so good. I learned by watching you. I do. <laughs> I do. Well, uh, that's, a, that's quite a compliment. And we're going to do that lunch. Thank you so much again for doing this. And good luck with this project. I'm, I'm excited. Thank you. Black Eyes. Thank you so much. Bye, Vicki. Bye, Ty. Now, how do I get out of there? Let's see. Leave me.